Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 65 of the Questions Podcast, where you come to get your spiritual minty freshness. And a wheelbarrow full of cold-blooded love. We got it all right Mm. here. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Good afternoon, Mark Childers. How are you? Good. How are you doing there, Pastor Miles? You know what? Things have gotten uh, a little bit less crazy and hectic in the last few days because uh, school is done for a while. For, so that's good for, for you me, and for your me. children. Well, the kids will be done next week, but you know, you know, the last two weeks of school is never nah, nothing. Never really happens. All cupcake that, parties and streamers. Fact, yeah, Addison today she she worked on homework all morning long, and um, then right about eleven thirty, she did her last math problem. She goes boom, done with homework for she, the year. She dropped the pencil. She did. I was oh, like, nice. you totally done? She said, I'm done. So she did all of this week and next week's work this morning to get it out of the way. Ethan, on the other hand, he yeah, he's a he's boy. like me. He, he, he would rather go spend the morning in the pool, and we'll work on homework later. You know? I mean, you know. <laughs> Why do now what you can put off till later? Exactly. Or till the last minute. <laughs> That's I, the procrastinator's yeah. creed. Absolutely. Now, of wow. course, the Proverbs say, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Right. That, that would be my wife's, you know, motto. So, Mine is, why do it now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can do it later. <laughs> so I get the impression with Addison. She's like her mom. Okay, so she's the type that she she likes schoolwork and she's she wants type to get a it plus. done. But she likes getting her schoolwork done. She gets oh, satisfaction yeah, yeah, out of that. Yeah. Although I do notice she's a little bit like me. She was having some problems with some math uh, word problems today. I always had a problem with word problems because I'm mm. dyslexic. So I kept coming in and uh, she would have this problem and I'd say, well, read it out loud to me. And so she'd read it out loud to me. And as soon as she'd read it out loud, she'd get it. So I was like, listen, you just got to read it out loud so you can hear it. But yeah, she does great. She's like her mom. That kid, she's on top of things. She she's not going to get up from the table until the work is done. It's got to wow. be all done because it will nag at her. Are you that kind of person? If you have a project that's not done, does it nag at you? Projects? No, no. Like like I can come back to something that's like okay, this is three quarters done. I'll come back to it later. My yeah. wife and Addison, they have to complete it. 100% or else they're like stressed until it's done. See, most of my projects could never be completed in a 24-hour period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting, most projects. But like, like, uh, you, I don't, do you do this? Like when I know I'm going to teach, uh-huh. I start studying and praying and, you know, setting some time around, consider, kind of considering things. But that's in the back of my mind. I don't care if it's four weeks away. For four weeks, I, it's always kind of on my mind. Mm-hmm. And when I used to teach every week, it was always on my mind sort of thing. So I wouldn't procrastinate thinking about it or doing it, but it never seems like I got it all together till like Saturday afternoon, mm, mm. you know? Yeah, I mean... It was I, never done until probably when I went to go up... And see, teach. at this point, I always know kind of where I need to be on gotcha. that project gotcha. at a certain point during the week. So I never feel too uh, rushed or concerned because, like, I know where I'm at. I know where I need to be. Right. I'm pretty good. We'll be okay. So for you, part well, of that is just doing it consistently every single week exactly. for so 20 years. One of the things, it's easier to teach every week, I would think. It is a lot easier. Than it is to just come up it, with it one It is harder for me months. to know that, oh, you have a conference you're going to speak at in two months. That's harder for me than I have a message to prepare once or twice a week every week. Okay. Yeah. And part of this is, though, when you're teaching consistently, especially in a Bible teaching church, uh-huh. is you're backing back into the scripture right, every you week. Know where you know, you're going to be. You know, you're not reviewing yeah. forever, but you are, you know, there's a consistency yeah. to that. So For sure. 
which is way easier, I think, than coming up with a topical thing every week. That would be challenging. I think yeah. that would be hard. But I mean, a big part of it is when you love what you do, what you do, it's really not that hard. That's true. You know, it's it's, enjoy, it's enjoyable. I can't talk today. Something's wrong. I think it's summertime. Uh, but yeah, um, when you love what you do, it's kind of like you look forward. You're to liking it. your workout clothes. Were you out well, riding? Well, I was. I was doing some yard work. Oh, okay. Well, it's the yeah. same thing. I didn't. I didn't come here dressed up this morning. Like I, I noticed that you've got the Hawaiian shirt on and everything. I was just, you know, thinking happy Chuck Smith thoughts. There you I go. Guess, I guess you know? so. So, yep. Yeah. So, um, anyways, it is uh, warming up around here. It's uh, nice. If mm. only, if only we could get back to life a little bit more normal. Yeah. Like well, at the some beach parts. And... I went to the beach yesterday. Did you? Which beach? So I went to the, uh, it's a foreign land, Del Mar. No, I like Del Mar. That's at my top, my top three beaches. Del Mar's okay, on the Okay, so top we three. went to, um, because most of these beaches you can't even park in the street by now. Right. So. Uh, Del Mar, it's all neighborhood parking. Yeah. So we went through, what was it? The Solana Beach, went south because we couldn't go to Cardiff, which is our, Cardiff's our favorite beach. I like Cardiff too. Uh, good surf fish in there. And so. Oh yeah, because it's very shallow. Yeah. Long shallow. Yeah. And, the, and it has different little changes in the bottom can you surf fish anywhere or do you have to go to specific places no just about anywhere you can surf fish um except for the they call them mlpas marine something oh okay like the preserves yeah but there's very there's like you can't go to la jolla cove and cast out your you you could but you wouldn't do it for long yeah 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 no it'd be legal but then it's interesting like would that be considered poaching uh well, typically poaching is shooting something you don't have a tag for or poaching. Yeah, somewhere you're not supposed to fish, you'd be poaching. Yeah, yeah. you'd be poaching. It's illegal. We don't yeah. do that. Okay. But it used to be able to fish just north of the Scripps Pier. Okay. But not at La Jolla Shores. Yeah. So yeah. that. Interesting. So we went to, uh, if you go to the end of Vieta de la Valle, hook a left, mm-hmm. there's a beach there they call North Beach. Uh-huh. Just north it, of the uh, inlet there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you're a dog lover, that's Dog Beach area. Oh man, the dogs There's are lots ha- of dogs. The dogs there. were having. We were a thinking happy about time. bringing our dog Jack down there. Just Jack to see would how love it. like it. Yeah, yeah. And the and uh, you can actually take your dog off leash there. Yes. Uh, until I think sometime in June. Uh huh. On that one section, but the dogs were having a great time. So this is we've been trying to train him so that when he's off leash, because most of the time he's off the leash when we're out walking about, to not chase after other dogs when he sees them. He's yeah. getting better at it. So that's good. Oh, good. Say, no. And he just stands. You just there, give like, him a no. And he's looking like, hey, by the way, we got a new pet. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, actually, I should say at the moment, we have two new pets. Uh oh. One is a little white mouse. Oh. But I don't think he'll be around for long. Is he cohabitating with another? With a slithering pet. Oh. Yes, a serpent, shall we say. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um,. That's interesting. So you guys have taken up snake handling? For the moment, yeah. All right. We have a, we have a gopher snake. They're cool. little gopher snake that was found uh, in, the, in the field behind my parents' house. So um, There's so, yeah. a lot of them out where there we are. are. So Elliot, Elliot currently has a gopher snake. Now, you're going to like this story because we'll go back to talk about Addison for a moment because Addison, her, her brother, her older brother says, we got a pet snake, and she like starts to tear up. No snakes. We're not having a snake in our house. Really? So she comes and she's got like the, you know, the 10 foot away stare. She's looking at this snake. Oh, a non-snake She's stare. got tears in her eyes. She's not happy that there's potentially going to be a snake in the household. 
So her cousin was there, and mm. her cousin is like a snake handler, like crazy. Yeah. My sister's oldest son, Micah. Are they Baptist? Well, no, he just likes snakes. Oh, okay. He's had pet snakes forever. Yeah. And so Micah says to her, what if I paid you some money? Would you hold the snake? And he apparently was speaking Addison's language because in a matter wow. of minutes, between him and my dad, there was $12 sitting on the table. Wow. And she had a, she had a little sparkle in her tear-filled eyes. And she went and she held that snake just so she could get the 12 bucks. And then she was out of there. And now, no, now she's fine with snakes. She's cool with it. She's like, can I hold the snake? See, I had pet snakes when I was a kid. And right, the, so did I. The, and the reason they were great was yeah. um, they didn't poop in the yard. Right. They didn't bark. Yeah. Uh, they didn't need a cat box, anything like that. They don't require a lot of food. They don't require a lot of food. Yeah. And they were, most of the snakes we had were snakes I caught in the neighborhood anyway. Yeah, exactly. So if you got tired of them or you didn't want to be a snake owner anymore, you just picked it up and let it go in the yard and it went on its happy way. I had a gopher snake growing up, uh-huh. and it looks just like this one because they're identical. You know, they all look basically the same. So we were trying to figure out what are we going to name the snake, and my my mom was sitting there, and she goes, "He looks like a Louis Vuitton bag." Oh, so his name is Louis. Louis, Louis. nice. So we had a. Four, I took a picture. Oh, I didn't send it to. You. We had a four footer in our backyard. Yeah, the other I, you day. caught That's it the same day we caught ours. Gopher snake. Well, we didn't catch it. We let it oh, go. Oh, you should have. You should have caught it. Oh no, I got gophers. I know, but you can direct them to where the gophers is at. Oh, well, he was where the gophers were. I can't stand He was gophers. poking his little head down a hole. I'm so angry at gophers. I got this one in my backyard that is just devastating everything, and, and he's been elusive. It's very much like the, um, what's that golf movie? With Caddyshack. The, Caddyshack. It's very much like that. I, I, he kind of <sighs> pops up out of his hole and laughs at me. Oh, I hate this I love gopher. that movie. <sighs> it's not a good movie, though, now that I think about it. I don't sound very pastoral when I'm talking about how much I hate gophers. gophers? Yeah. I want you to go out onto the course and kill all the golfers. I've never seen that movie. Don't. All right, you know, you're no. the third person who's told yeah. me not to. Yeah. So I'm going to take if I, if I, out of the mouth if, of if two I or three If I kill all witnesses. the golfers, you're going to lock me up and throw away the key. There you go. Not the golfers, the golfers. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. It was a great movie. That, that part was great. So, yeah, so yeah I got to go for it. Yeah. I got to get rid of. We got, go, we got squirrels. Yes. there's. Well, it's that time of year, too, where they have just multiplied. Well, and then we have this cat. Yeah. And this cat, it's, we got, we had, what, three cats all at the same time. Uh Uh-huh. This is the dumbest of all the three cats. Well, the dumbest one is the one that survives. Yes. Right? And it's white. I mean, you can see it a mile off, and the coyotes have not eaten this cat. And we put this cat in every night. It's not like we were trolling for coyotes, but the other cats just, I think they got cocky or something. This cat, all it does is mall bunnies. Oh, my goodness. I got a call yesterday, you know. You got to go out front. There's something in the front yard. I think it's a coyote mauling the cat. I go out there. I don't see anything. Cat shows up, bunny hanging out of its oh mouth. Oh, my goodness. Just, I, so yeah. I was out on the golf course yesterday, and um, I was in the middle of my backswing, and I hear this horrific sound. And Ooh, I look out. That's a rabbit and, sound. No, 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 no. Oh. A hawk, huge red-tailed oh. hawk, had grabbed a baby crow out of a nest. Oh. And it was flying away with the baby crow. Oh. And two other crows were chasing it down, trying to stop it. But they weren't, they weren't doing so well. But let me tell you, that hawk, he was brutalizing that thing. It was oh, crazy. Yeah. Birds are mean. Yeah. I mean, animals are pretty cruel. They can be. Nature. Nature can be cruel. That's it. Yes, it's, indeed. It's, that's, 
you know. Well, I would push the yellow button for the news uh, song, but I don't know that we really have any news. I mean, the world is on fire, whether it's, you know, chaos with coronavirus or there's all kinds of law enforcement problems and oh, riots, boy. and it's horrible. We're living in a really, really strange time. We need Jesus to come back. I wouldn't argue the point. I mean, you know, Revelation 22 says, the spirit and the bride say, come, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Quickly, please. Behold, I come quickly. Yeah, yes, wait, yo. that would be good. Thumbs up on come quickly. Jesus, take the express lane, really. You're going to get through L.A. traffic. Yes. I went through L.A. the other day at 7 o'clock. It was quick. I could not believe it. it yeah, there's felt... not a lot of traffic, although the traffic is starting to inch upwards. Oh, yes, it is. I've seen it here in Escondido. Yeah. Yes. Yep. The beach was crowded. And I don't care how much you tell people to not stop. And, you know, they're walking on the beach, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, just just right around the corner there at Del Mar. Everybody's camped out there. Got their, they're having a good time. It's playing, California, man. Yeah. Track ball and playing with their dogs and surf fishing and, uh, yeah, all those things. So, Boy, oh, boy. Yep. So, yeah, I don't really have any news stories. Um, it's all the same news that was last week and the week before and the week before that for the last 12 weeks. Hmm. All pretty much the same. We're just in a holding pattern. Have you ever been in a holding pla- pattern waiting to land? Yes. I was flying into Phoenix one time. It was a little layover. And, uh, man, they were having a thunderstorm, one of those August monsoonal thunderstorms Ooh. in Phoenix, and it was right over the airport. So we went and flew around Tucson for like an hour, just kind of circling until we finally could land. And it was like, man, holding. And you could look out your window and you could see like eight other planes doing the same thing. We're like, it's kind of crazy. Just waiting. Yep. You ever been in a spiritual holding pattern? Gosh, the last 12 weeks. Well, yeah. I don't know. You know, as a bit. No, I, I don't know if I can. I don't know that, that I would call it a spiritual holding pattern. The last no. 12. I think for the nation, maybe. Yeah. God's yeah. doing a work through all this. It's good. Yeah, I've seen God working in a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. through this whole thing. Yeah, certainly. So it's... Uh, but we'll still yeah. say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Yeah, it's good. And when he comes, we'll all say... Welcome. <laughs> and then we'll say to this place... Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, con Dios. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we um, do some questions for the questions we podcast? have questions. We do have some questions. Some Here. Some... Real long ones. Let's just dive right into this. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Number one, will God judge Christians for their good works for him as well? Is there different levels of rewards for those more faithful to Christ with their life? Yes and yes. Mm. But um, so will God judge Christians for their good works uh, for him as well? Not in the same way that he's going to judge the unrighteous for their works. So when we talk about judgment in the form of kind of a condemnation upon those who are unrighteous, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, that's not the same kind of judgment as the kind of judgment that we will receive. Uh, So the Bible does intimate in the New Testament, judging Christians for their good works, and then different levels of rewards. I think one of the best passages to look at for the judging them for their rewards has to do with the parable of the talents, which is found in the Gospels, where to one, the master gave two talents, uh, to one he gave one, and to another he gave five. And so for the one who had five, he had turned, returned a return, if you will, a uh, hundredfold increase. Mm-hmm. So now he went from five to ten. And so the Lord gives to that one, the Lord of that servant gives to that one a certain level of reward. 
in eternity. And the same with the one who had two talents. He returns a return back to the Lord, his master, and he also is given a certain level of reward. Unto you will be given you know, rulership over many cities, if you will. And, uh, and then there's a judgment upon the one who did not bring in any sort of return at all. Um, so that's an interesting passage of Scripture. So I would say that that's one of the key ones that has to do with the issue of whether or not there's levels of rewards in heaven. So there's a ton of discussion among theologians and Bible teachers, commentators, as to what those rewards in eternity look like. But we um, So there's very little agreement about what those rewards will look like. But we do know that there, there does appear to be levels of reward in eternity. And Matthew 25 is the passage where you'd want to look at the parables of the ta- or the parable of the talents. Matthew 25 beginning at verse 14 and also Luke 19 verses 11 through 27. And one thing that's kind of interesting about that has always struck me about that is it's almost like God knew I'm going to give the guy who's going to turn a pro- I know is going to really turn a profit here five talents. Right, he'd been faithful. So Yeah, he already was somebody he could look at and go, hey, that guy's faithful. He's going to do good with this. And, and that's why it's so important to be faithful in the little things, and the Lord will add to you over time uh, greater levels of uh, responsibility. Right. And it does seem like what is fascinating about this passage, if we can take this parable, which is a story that teaches, if we can take this parable and just kind of move it directly over to the kingdom of heaven, then it does appear that in eternity, those who have been faithful faithful over much in this life are going to have responsibility, a greater level mm-hmm. of responsibility in eternity. So what does it look like to have responsibility in eternity? We don't know. We don't know for sure. But specifically, Matthew 25, 20 says, so he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, for you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So, there seems to be a level of responsibility that is uh, corresponding, correspondent to um, your level of faithfulness in this life over what the Lord has given you. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Sometimes. Be faithful over the yeah. little things. So important to be faithful over the little things. Too much is you given. You seem like the wheels in your head are turning. What, I'm you just have wondering how that corresponds with the old too much is given much is expected. Much is required. Much is required. Yeah. That corresponds with the, the one who is forgiven much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, they're talking about forgiveness there, so it doesn't necessarily, I don't know if I would link those two. I'm just running that through my head a little bit. It's just, I know some people who have been given very, very much mm-hmm. and have been very wise with that for the kingdom. For the kingdom. For the kingdom. Not just financial. Yeah, the financial stuff, that all burns up. But I, I know some people that have been given very much financially and have very much been really good with it uh, for the kingdom. I also know some people that have been given a lot of talents and gifts that other people don't have that have done really well and use those for the kingdom. But I've also known some people that have really not done as well. Luke and, twelve forty eight. but he who did not know yet committed things... Uh, deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. I don't know. I have to check that out and see if that'll preach or not. I'm not oh, sure. it'll preach. It's in the Bible. Oh, there you go. There you go. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just a question of how you will preach it. Yeah. So. All righty. All right. Okay. So, yes, absolutely. Rewards. We don't know what those are. 
We will be find out. The Bible, maybe God's version of SNH green stamps. I don't know what that is. I know you don't. But there's it? people out there that will. Okay. They're going to have to email us and tell us if they know what S&H green stamps are. Uh, I have stamps Google, man. I can find out. Yeah. S&H green stamps were a line of trading stamps popular in the United States in the 1930s until the 1980s. Well, see, that just... Yeah, you weren't even alive. I was not there. Just barely. Barely. They were distributed as a part of a rewards program operated by the Sperry and Hutchison Company, S&H, founded in 1896 by Thomas Sperry and Shelley Byron Hutchison. During the 1960s, the company promoted... Don't you love Wikipedia? It's great. It's got it all. I know some people have some real problems with Wikipedia, but I kind of like Wikipedia. I mean, you got to eat the fish and spit out the bones, but it's good. The company promoted its rewards catalog as being the largest publication in the United States and boasted that it was issued three times as many stamps as the U.S. Postal Service. Oh, wow. Did you have some of these green stamps? Yeah, so when I was a kid, they would have this book. Okay. And you would take these stamps and put it on the page of the book of the thing that you wanted. Okay. And so it was kind of fun because it taught you patience. Because mm. you would collect, it's kind of like when you go to. And where would these stamps come from? The stores you shopped in. Oh, they would give them to you as a reward. If I remember correctly, yes. Oh, kind of like you probably played. If you shopped at Sperry and Hutchison. Well, and different, different. It wasn't just them, but different oh. stores, different programs had them, if I remember right. Wow. And so it's like kind of, you know, you go to Vons and you get Vons, you get um, Monopoly. Yes. Little things. I hate those things. Yeah, I, I, do, I don't want them. But anyway, uh, it would be kind of like that. You'd get that and then you'd paste them in this book. You tried to get them straight. And then when the book was all full, that page or how many it took, then you could redeem that for whatever the product was. Mm. And so the, it was kind of a family thing. So it's interesting. I was listening to this um, psychologist Ooh. recently talk about, um, well, so he was talking, there was a couple of people involved in the conversation. Have you heard of the, the app on the phone called Duolingo? I've so, heard of so it. So Duolingo is a, it's a language learning app okay. where you can learn languages. But they were talking about um, how the psychology of gamification, that if you can add rewards and kind of gamify tasks, that you can get people to engage with stuff far more than if you just have them do the task. So if there's some sort of reward at the end, and they were talking about how video game companies that make these video games, mm-hmm. they are absolutely amazing at developing the psychology of this. So this is exactly what S&H did, is they gamified shopping. There you go. So they made it that you would shop at their stores or other stores so that you could get the rewards to get some trinket that Before was Before like, it was a eh, thing. Eh. Oh, no, you could get like a blender. It wasn't like... Well, because everybody wants a blender. Yeah, I mean, it was like... They had legit prizes. Well, it's kind of like what we do in the children's ministry. There we, you go. we get people to memorize their memory verses so that yeah. they can get What do bucks. we call those? Bible bucks, right? Yeah, Bible bucks. Yeah, and then they can come to the store quarterly. Of course, unfortunate right now. The John Dollar to, Store, they call it. I have no idea, but we need to have the uh, we need to have the cross connection Prime or something so these kids can buy their stuff online. online. Yeah, there, there you go. Because they, they got wads of dough. I think our kids would be stoked if we did cross connection Prime at Maranatha. We had Ray Bucks. Ray, oh goodness. Yeah, gracious. I had a little picture of Ray on there, and yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, miles, no, miles, no. Uh, miles, pesos, DB no. dollars, DB dollars, yeah. DB dollars. Yeah. No. All right. No. All right. So rewards. Yes. Yes. All right. Number two. What are the definitions of exegesis? Exegesis. Exegesis. Eisegesis. Eisegesis. And hermeneutics. 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 Wasn't well, he on the monsters? No. No. Very close though. Uh, okay. Hermeneutics is uh, it, it's the study of you know it has to do with how you interpret the Bible. 
So when you take a hermeneutics class, it's, it's uh-huh. like Bible study methods. It's teaching you how to um, open up the scriptures and understand what the scriptures have to say. A lot of times we use the inductive Bible study method. Observation, IBS. Observation, it's interpretation, good, application. Like IBS? The, yeah. yeah, it's not that IBS. It's No, I know. That's Bible a good study. kind of inductive. Right, yeah. right. That's the yeah. good, that's godly IBS. So hermeneutics is, you know, how to interpret and understand the Bible how to be able to parse the scriptures to understand what the teach what the bible's teaching what it means and uh, why it's important for us so those are the observation interpretation application what it says what it means and why it's important and um, so that's hermeneutics now in within hermeneutics you have this idea of exegesis and exegesis is where you are effectively opening up the scriptures to interpret what they mean so you want to exegete or break apart the scriptures to see, to bring out what is in the scriptures so that you understand it. Now, eisegesis is kind of like the opposite of that, where you're coming at the scriptures with your own opinions, your own presuppositions, and you're trying to have the scriptures prove what it is that you already think or believe. Now, there's some some sort of eisegesis that is not necessarily bad, although eisegesis sometimes gets a bad rap from uh, hermeneutics types, because if you're a hermeneutics person, you're really into the study of the Bible, then you like exegesis because you're trying to bring out of the scriptures what the scriptures say. What does this mean? You're interpreting it to try and figure out what it means. Eisegesis is you're coming to the scriptures with an idea or a presupposition, and you want to use the scriptures to prove that that, that is true. And um, so in some respects, people have a hard time with that eisegesis because you can, you can kind of make the Bible say some funky things. Oh, you think? Yeah. You can take things out of context and, and make the Bible say some funny stuff. Yeah, I Seen it many times. But you can also come to the Bible and say, I have this presupposition that murder is bad. You go, okay, well, I think that's true. And then you can go, let me try and prove that from the Bible, which you can. You can prove that from the Bible. Yeah, pretty good. So not all eisegesis is negatory, but some of it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Did did you watch the Munsters when you were a kid? Uh, I've seen an episode here or there. Did it move too slow for you or what? You know, I just don't remember. It's been a long time. I bet your kids would like the Munsters. They probably, probably think not. it was hysterical. Probably not. Oh, no, they had great characters. Is is the Munsters... It's not the same as the Adams Family. No, Adams Family's different. Adams okay. Family's a little darker. Well, they were kind of funny, but... Which one has Tuesday and It? That was the Adams Family. Okay. So the Munsters... The Munsters, okay. Then I I'm think totally... it was in L.A. No, I don't know. But the Munsters was cool. Like, they had great cars, and so I actually used to use the term in counseling, doing the Lily Munster, Uh because what Lily would do is, when she went to bed at night, she'd grab a Lily and just flop, and just go right to sleep immediately. Okay. I thought, man, that's crazy. Yeah, see, I'm looking at a picture on Google Images of the Munsters, and this this looks relatively familiar, but I guess I've totally been screwed up as to Munsters, Adam's family. Yeah, it was two competing genres. Yeah, they, I guess they know, were. Same so, genre. So Lurch... Was Adam's family. He, well, who's this guy with the things in his well, neck? With the bolts in his neck, that's Herman. Oh, gosh, I'm so screwed up. Yeah. And then they had a cousin, Marilyn, okay. who was this cute gal... She, she didn't fit with the family? Everybody thought she was the freak in the family. Okay. Yeah, and that's what made it funny. They would sit around being worried that nobody would ever marry her because she was so strange. 
So, and she was like totally normal. So the Adams family has a big, tall, weird lurch. That's lurch too. That's lurch. Okay. Yeah, you rang. All right. Yeah. Part okay. of my childhood, man. I had the, the Munsters and Gilligan's Island. Who's the bald-headed guy? Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. He was great. And he in in the Adams family movie that came out when I was younger, he was the guy. He was Doc Brown. That was Doc Brown from Back to the Future. I actually watched Back to the Future the other night. You know, it's a it's an epically good movie, Back to the Future. Yeah. It is a good movie. I Crazy. like that one. Yeah. Okay, well. Uh, there we go. Just checking. I don't know what that had to do with number two. Everything. Exegesis. Hermeneutics. Oh, hermeneutics. We're, we're talking Herman, Herman's. Herman okay, Munster. Yeah. There we Just go. Just making sure. Okay, three. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I feel like I should rent my garment. Yeah. So. Blasphemy. All right. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when you rip a Hawaiian shirt, you rented a garment. Okay. Uh Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin. Would we say now that all people who are alive and not believers are blasphemers? Hmm. Wait. I'm not sure I caught the whole... I'm reading it as written. I'm just reporting the news. I'm not making it here. Okay. What are the definitions? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin. Yes, we know what that is. Would we say now that all people who are alive and not believers are blasphemers? So have you committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit if you're not a believer? I guess is what they're saying. Oh, okay. Well, let's 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 look at the unpardonable sin according to the scriptures. Uh, that would be Matthew 12. And we're not talking plaid with stripes either here, people. No. Therefore I say to you, Matthew 12, 31, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit or against the Spirit will not be forgiven, men, Anyone who speaks a, speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. Not so good. No, that's serious business. Yes, again, this comes to one of those things where there is a lot of discussion among commentators and theologians and Bible teachers as to what exactly is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because Jesus doesn't exactly explain particularly what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. Right. Which now, there's a, a few explanations, and there's a few explanations right. out there, all but they're not necessarily you know, concrete. Yeah, I would say... One of them is, is rejecting Jesus. Right, that's the general one yeah. that I think that most yeah. of our friends, our pastoral pals, would probably yeah, say. Yeah, the amigos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the reason this question, I think, was popular in the 80s... The 80s? Yes. Oh, as a wee little 80s, lad. 80s, yeah, you're a wee little lad, but I, was a, little I lad. was a little bigger lad. Okay. Um, you graduated what year? Back in the 82. The 82. Me oh, and Uncle Rico. You and Uncle yeah. Rico. Right. <laughs> right on. Yeah, except I, I got my soulmate. There you anyway. go. Awesome. So um, Eddie Murphy okay. did a stand-up routine. Yeah. And in the stand-up routine, he was making light or fun of the gift of tongues. Which and, would be easy to do. And he was mocking, it appeared he was mocking the Ooh. Holy Spirit. And so a lot of Christians... He was a scoffer. Yeah, a but mocker he, and a scoffer. I mean, but he lit some people up. I mean, some people were like... Now, well, does he have a background in a church? Did he grow up in a I, church? Most, I bet he did. If probably. We, you know, look, you know, but... He's probably a Baptist. Well, I mean, we're Baptists. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're, evidently, we're the snake-handling kind of Baptist no, now. No, not so much. Different so much. Non-poisonous snakes. Yeah. So anyway, um, so there was a big discussion in the church, I remember that he had committed the unpardonable sin and that, you know, Eddie Murphy was going to hell. Wow. 
And the way Eddie was acting at the time, I mean, you had to agree. Good possibility. Now, the new Eddie, I don't know if he got saved, but doing children's movies and having kids now, his vernacular is quite different. He did change a little bit. Yes, he did. So maybe Eddie got saved. Maybe Mm. he repented. But that's why this came about. But that's what brought this up to the forefront. That's what brought that to the people were talking about that, like as a point of discussion. And it was good because people got to talk about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, even though there really wasn't as clear-cut an answer in that situation. But, hey, anything that brings attention to the Bible, I'm all for. Yeah. Well, okay, to to necessarily commit blasphemy, just to blaspheme, you know, to speak negatively or against God or the things of God, in one sense to take the name of the Lord in vain, is blasphemous. Now, is that necessarily the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? No, because even Jesus says in this passage in Matthew 12 that I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. So people can be forgiven. Yeah. Blasphemy, being irrelevant, irreverent towards God and that sort of, So they can be forgiven. Yeah. But if they don't repent, if they don't confess their sins and seek the forgiveness of a forgiving God, God is forgiving then um, they, they may come to a point where they are guilty of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, rejecting Christ, as you said. Yeah, there Mark. you go. And um, if you reject Christ and the gift offered to you in Christ Jesus, well, Hebrews chapter 10 says, there remains no sacrifice for sin. So other than Jesus, there's no other way. That's what Jesus said, John 14, 6. I am the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. So there's no other way. Sometimes when I hear the word blasphemy, uh-huh, I, I get this stupid smile on my face. I noticed that because you've got that stupid yeah, smile it, on your it, face. It, but here's why. Oh, my goodness. Because pastor's kids are, they're a little different. Are they? They now? grow up different. I hadn't noticed. Yeah. So we had like these Bible cartoons our kids would watch. Bible Man? No. Uh, Veggie Tales? Oh, yeah, all that. But I'm saying that, that there, there were these, and they were, uh, anyway, and there was the Jesus kind of comes out of the closet, so to speak, as I don't Messiah. think you want to say that. You don't that. want to say it like no, that? No, that's not okay, the way to say yeah, that. Probably not. He, that's going to come back to bite us, I'm sure. Okay, well, you better edit that. Oh I, I didn't mean goodness. it in that kind of way, but like he... Okay, please explain. Jesus has the big reveal? Yeah. He comes <laughs> out not and he says, either. hey, yo, I'm Messiah, uh-huh, yeah. so to speak. And the Pharisees in the cartoon... They yell, oh, goodness. Blasphemy! blasphemy, and they rip their garment. Well, that reminds me of the passage in the scriptures where Jesus, where you remember, it's a favorite story of children's ministries where the, the, the uh, paralytic man is lowered yeah. down through the roof, yep. and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. forgiven. And who can, serve, who can all the, forgive sins but all God? All the, you know, the religious yeah. leaders are going, hmm, blasphemy. So in the cartoon, yes, and the guys, you know, they always got great hats. Who do? The Pharisees. Oh, so the Pharisees they're, they're always hats? wearing something, you know. I don't think I've ever seen a yeah, Pharisee. So hat. anyway, they're going like, and so they rip their garment and they yell, "Blasphemy!" And so for some reason, it struck my kids that that was really funny. Mm. So once in a while, I would hear them in the backyard yelling "Blasphemy" and ripping their little holy little shirts from their play clothes, and I, I always just just crack up a lot. You know, pastors' kids are a little different. Okay, I I have to say, I just searched um, Pharisee hat. Yeah. Nothing. And, no, this you're going to love this. There is literally a website called christiancostumes.com where you can get your Pharisee costume. Really? 
Yeah, man. I'm so surprised that I never knew I about think Christian we'll, costumes. We're going to have to roll that for next. You can get the Economy Jesus <laughs> costume. Oh, really? It's got a nice long white robe with a big red sash. The Economy Jesus The Economy costume. Jesus. Okay, all right. Uh, the Economy Mary costume. Give me, now give the me Economy that, now, Joseph costume. I, uh, which Mary are we talking about? Because the Mary, Economy Mary, she she oh, it looks okay, just like the Jesus costume, but hers her sash is blue and his okay. is red. I was just because because prostitute Mary that would not no, be a not good that economy. Mary, Mary one. the mother no. of Jesus. One. Okay, all right. Goodness gracious! Well, we got kids. It's the economy, you know? the economy, Jesus costume. <laughs> How much is the extra Jesus one? Listen, I guarantee. After this episode goes yeah. live. This site is going to get more visits than they've probably had in the last six months just by the 10 people from our listeners oh that my are going to watch it. Go and look at that website. Oh, gosh. We got to get some costumes. Christiancostumes.com. Get your Economy Jesus costume today. Amazing and raisin. you and Eddie Murphy can commit blasphemy. There you go. Okay, number four. All right. Yeah, there we go. Blasphemy! Boy, I think the coronavirus shutdown is oh, getting to us, Mark. not good. All oh, right. All right. <laughs> blasphemer that dude's a blasphemer yeah i remember that okay <laughs> not as good I'm as speechless. king james knight talking like king james knight Goodness, it's I'm like speechless. talk like a pirate day but different okay number four one corinthians mm. 12 7 That's to 11 um describes the manifestation of the spirit given to each one for the profit of all that's the quotation mm-hmm. uh-huh does this mean every believer has been given one of the gifts listed in verses 8 through 10? Are some people given more than one? How do I know which one I have been given? If you have the time, can you briefly, briefly explain what each of these mean with examples? And that's probably good because there's some language used there that we might not understand. So first part of the question, um, the manifestation of the Spirit. This is like a... It's a big question. This right here is a theology essay question. Well, like, seriously, this is what you'd be given as like, for your essay question this week, here it yeah. is. 12 pages. First Corinthians 12. Yeah, write, write 900 words on your... Okay, but okay. I, mean, it, I mean, inquiring minds want to know. So yes. let's break it down. The scripture the says... The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That's First Corinthians 12, 7. Mm-hmm. So 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 deals with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and their use within the body of Christ, sandwiched in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, which specifically deal with that, is 1 Corinthians 13, which deals with the greatest of all gifts, love. love. So 1 Corinthians 12 gives a listing of a number of gifts, and it is, it is not exhaustive, shall we say. It's just a list. It's not all the gifts. That's that good mentioned. to know. Yes, so there are more gifts, spiritual gifts, than the ones that are listed in this passage. But if we are going to take Paul literally, which, um, you know, we we typically come from a more literal view on the scriptures, even though we understand genre, we understand when we're reading poetry versus when we're reading, you know, epistles like this. So, um, but the manifestation of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit are, I believe, given to all Christians. So every Christian has gifting by the Spirit of God. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, says 1 Corinthians 12, 4. So, you know, and there are different... Diversities, so different ones. Yeah, yes. and there are different ways that these gifts are ministered, but they're all from the same Lord. And so the manifestation of the Spirit is given, so the gifts of the Spirit are given to all Christians, I believe. And I believe that we are gifted by the Holy Spirit when we experience the new birth. So from the beginning. Now, we may not fully understand entirely what gifts we have, or how we exercise or use those gifts. Mm-hmm. 
So there is an area of discovery where we are discovering what these gifts are and how we utilize them. And part of that just comes through stepping out by faith and doing the work of the ministry, stepping in to fill a need when there is a need within children's ministry or there's a need within being a greeter or an usher or whatever it may be. You, you step into that need and you begin to discover, wow, I have the gift to be able to do this. I had no idea that I had the gift of being able to give forth the scriptures and teaching mm-hmm. and that sort of thing until I started to step out and see that the Spirit of God had enabled me and gifted me, and I think supernaturally, to be able to do those things. So so part of this is an area of discovery where you step out by faith and you begin to discover that God has gifted you. However, in this same passage, Paul says that we should earnestly desire gifts. Mm. So I think that we can pray, prayerfully seek God for his empowering and his gifting and in areas where we, we would really love to be able to serve in some capacity and we don't know that we necessarily can in and of ourselves because we res- recognize our insufficiency. Mm-hmm. So we say, God, would you enable me? Give me the gift to be able to do this thing, whatever it may be, and then begin to move forward trusting that God, who gives good gifts to his children, will indeed bless you. Um, Jesus says, I believe it's in Luke chapter 11, uh, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, yep. how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him? A fish and a serpent asks. and a rock and all right. that? Yeah, yeah. So you need to ask. I think it's like 1113, if I'm thinking correctly. So you got to ask. Just ask the Lord to enable you and empower you by his spirit. And then step out by faith and see if God has not gifted you because he does give gifts to his children, just like Ephesians chapter uh, 4 talks about. When he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And so he, he enables and gifts us. Now, this question also asks about the particulars of these gifts. Right. Which could be an entire series of teachings. And I did a series of teachings on the gifts of the Spirit when we were going through 1 Corinthians. And gosh, it's been a long time ago now, so we probably need to come back to this in the not-too-distant future. After uh, we talk about hell and heaven. Well, we talked about hell. So we'll talk about heaven. We need to talk a little bit about heaven. And there's still the whole crazy things in the Bible series. Yes, yes. That is upcoming, I'm sure, at some point in the future. But if you go to lifeinconnection.com and go to our media section, there is a section there on the right called Tags. And if you look for First Corinthians, New Testament First Corinthians, you're going to find a three-part series that I did back in 2011. May of 2011, so many, many years ago, nine years ago this month, uh, I did a series of teachings called Now Concerning Spiritual Gifts. And I believe it was three or four parts where I talked about the, the gifts of the Spirit very much in depth, and I went in talking about what these things are. But as just a really brief kind of synopsis, we, we see that there's the word of wisdom, uh-huh. there's the word of knowledge, there is the gift of faith, There are gifts of healings, gifts of healings, which is important to understand. It's not the gift of healing. It's gifts of healings. Um, And then there's the working of miracles, which would be awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, then there's prophecy and the discerning of spirits and different kinds of tongues, which obviously gets um, people like Eddie Murphy into trouble. Yep. And then there's the interpretation of tongues, which is an interesting concept entirely. You could spend a lot of time talking about that. So those are the gifts that are mentioned just in this passage. But like I said, these are not exhaustive right? because there's the gift of leadership and there's a gift of teaching and there's the gift of exhortation and there's all kinds of these other gifts that the I like Holy hospitality. Spirit, I do too. Yeah. And you know what? I think your wife and my wife are good yeah. at the they gift love, of hospitality. They, they take it seriously. Yes, your mom's indeed. great at it too. Yes, your she is. Absolutely. How do you know you have the gift of hospitality? Um, 
I think it's like a lot of other gifts. You just go and try it. Yeah, and if you, if you, I, as I've said before, if you enjoy entertaining people and having them come into your home and you enjoy taking care of them and blessing them and loving them when they come over to your home, you probably have the gift of hospitality. If that makes you gag what I just said, you don't have it. Probably not. And we don't we don't want you as a part of the right. Connect Group hosts, now, probably. I like remember the first or time. Or maybe you just need to pray yeah, for the gift of hospitality. Be, be malleable to the spirit, perhaps. Truly. So, but like, and sometimes you realize that there's a gift or, you know, a spiritual aptitude there because you get forced into something that you never did before. You have to give it a whirl, so to speak. And so, uh, and then you, you find out like, hey, I'm better at that than I thought. I must have some type of spiritual aptitude for that typically thing. Now, I will give a little pitch here. If you go to lifeinconnection.com slash gifts. I knew you were going to throw that out. We have a spiritual gifts test. That's probably my gift of prophecy. On our website. And you can take the spiritual gifts test. However, I'm going to give a little caveat here. Um, there, There needs to be a little bit of fixing to our gifts test because... You're asked to put in your name and your email address and zip code, and then it's supposed to it's supposed to send you an email with your your gifts test results. Mm-hmm. But that part's not working. But you can still take the gifts test, and when you're done, it'll show you your results, oh. and you could print them. But it's not going to email them to you. And and I need to work on this because it's on the list of things that needs to be fixed. Lifeinconnection.com/slash/gifts. This is just one potential helpful thing for spiritual gifts. You just got to answer 42 questions. 42. 42. And, uh, and the it, answer might, it might give you some 42. information. It is. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. Word of wisdom through the spirit. Word of knowledge. Faith. Lord, give me the faith. Yes. That's a great, great exchange there. Oh, wow. All right. It, I think and that, I will say, yeah. Yeah, you were going to say? I think sometimes, and there's certain, we'll call them branches, theological branches. Well, being that this Sunday is Pentecost. Pentecost. So you might be talking about... Well, I'm talking about people that actually think these are certain gifts Mm -hmm. are, if you don't have them... Are, uh, you're not are, as cool. You're not saved. You're right. in the history of salvation, which and is a Normally life. they talk about what are called the sign gifts. Right. Which would right, be right, prophecy, right. miracles, healings, tongues, right. interpretation of tongues. Right. So if you don't have one of those, you're not saved. People yeah. preach that. Right. And I, I, that's a very... Wrong. No. Totally inaccurate. So, but just in case anybody's thinking that in their little melon. Yes. Okay. So examples... And so you can have more than one of these gifts. Yeah, yeah, I think you can. You can have a whole slew of them. I, I just in my experience, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think as you start to explore those gifts to see if those are something you have, I think sometimes those things build upon one another. I've seen it where a person who didn't really think they were all that, had that many gifts, actually ended up being very spiritually gifted. And it's just taking the faith, the investment of time, the faith, so let me ask you that. a question on this, because yeah. um, there's there's been a discussion over the years about the gift of healing, mm-hmm. and of course the passage here says gifts of healings, mm-hmm. and so there's a discussion about does an individual, let's say you in particular, does an individual have the gift of, gifts of healings or gift of healing to be able to pray and see someone healed that you've got the gift, or is it the recipient who is healed 
who has a gift of healing. Ooh. You know, it's kind of weird because I'll just throw this out. I, maybe you can help me explain this. Like, I have had the experience in the last 20 years mm-hmm. of praying for couples. Because this kind of goes with number five. Yeah. Question five. Praying yeah. for couples uh-huh. that have had trouble conceiving. Oh. And I typically will take a line of questions with them uh, that I ask them and pray with them and for them. And the Lord has allowed me to be part of the process as they're praying for a child that they actually conceive Mm. a lot of times. Really? An inordinate amount of times. So much so that at my previous church, they used to joke around to not get too close to me, don't touch the hem of my garment, that somebody could get pregnant, you know? Mm. And so, but it's always such a joy to watch these couples who are really having a hard time conceiving a child, God answer their prayer. And so, and maybe it's just being in that place to share that with them. So there's certainly no healing power in me, but God has allowed me many times to be part of that process. So years ago, a friend of mine yeah. did an extended series of Bible teachings Oh boy, on the Song of Solomon, and miraculously... A lot of people got... About nine, ten months later, their nursery exploded. got a lot bigger. Groovy, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Song of Solomon is some pretty racy stuff. Yeah, don't open that book until you're married. No. You know what? Don't stir up love until it's ready. Exactly. You can't hurry, love. Mm. You Mm-mm-mm-mm. just got to wait. That's right. Mm. I tell you what. Oh, man. That's more than just cold-blooded love here. So They're we call you Dr. Love. love. Yeah, they actually, that was one well, of the things. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So, anyways. They, they tease me mercifully, but mercifully, mercifully about that. But you know what? It's okay. I had a lot of joy in that. So, all right. We laugh. I love seeing them. Love seeing them do that. But yeah, you got to watch how you talk about that. Yeah. I would agree. You know, Pass the laid hands on me at cross connection. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. That's Next not question. good. That's not good. Yeah. All right. Number five. So, I, I, think, it, I think it has more to do with faith. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, the, the the healings question. Yeah, and I think a big a big part of this, like I always go back to the story of Hannah. Sometimes our compelling situation, we want out of the compelling situation, but God has a much bigger plan for what's going to come out of this. Situation. Sometimes He puts you in a fix to fix you. Yes, well, because He wants our desires to line up with His desires. Yeah, you know? and so. Uh, that's a process. And sometimes we try to fix the fix that he puts us in to fix us. Yeah. And then he has to put us in another fix to fix the fix that he would have fixed Abraham in the first place. Abraham blew that one. So, yeah. yeah. Number five. Yeah. This is a very personalized question. All right. How do you pray for how people? How do you too? How do you too? You oh, me, so Mark. I'm not... not oh, okay. No, no. How do you too? How do you too? How do you too? All right. Pray. Use who's y'alls. Mark and Pray Miles. for people who are ill have a long-term illness like MS. Mm. We have a, that's, a, that's few, a, period. a couple of few people here. Yeah, we do. And then people who are having surgery, those who are terminally ill. Mm. Okay, so there, there's, there's a lot parts. of levels. To Let's this start question. with the How people do we who are ill and have a long-term, long-term illness. illness like MS. I always pray that, um, first of all, that God's will would be part of that. I pray for the people that are treating them. But I do pray for God's will in this. A lot of people have MS. I'm surprised how many people have MS. In fact, they say a good amount of the population has MS and they don't even know it. 
Yeah, there's uh, different forms. Different there's forms. There's relapsing, remitting uh, yeah. MS, and that's the one where there's a lot of people who may have it and don't realize. Yeah, it. it's debilitating. It's very yeah. serious. Yeah. I always pray that as this that they would be healed, according yes. to God's will. Right. But uh, they would be healed, and because not every thorn in the flesh is necessarily supposed to be healed. Right. We want it to. My heart goes out and breaks for them. But. Yeah, and I, I think so for the people, like I'm thinking of a couple different gals in our church who have MS, and it's been a long, ongoing illness. Grind, it's hard. And then we yeah. have a really close friend you and I do yeah. that has um, Parkinson's. Parkinson's, yeah. And in those situations, um, God has not, to this point, healed them, yeah. even though many people, including yeah. us, have prayed for them for healing. Absolutely. So one of the things I pray is the prayer that Jesus prayed for Peter when he was about to go through a trial, he prayed for him that his faith would not fail. Right. They wouldn't give up on God. And that he would be able yeah. to return and be an encouragement to his mm-hmm. brothers. And so I have prayed many times for a number of people who have a long-term chronic illness that their faith would be strengthened in the midst of it and that they would be able to be an encouragement to others. And I found for a, there's a number of people at our church that are involved in the Hope Keepers ministry. Right. Um, where that's exactly the case. God has strengthened their faith in the midst of it, and they have been an example and encouragement to other people in the midst of a trial that I can't identify with. You know, you made something come to mind, because I usually pray for that person, mm-hmm. that God is allowing them to go through this this trial, that they would not waste that trial, that God would do something that was miraculous and spiritual and that was beyond them, and uh, to be a testimony and that can be so powerful. I know our friend with Parkinson's, and uh, I know in particular his wife was not happy about this, but he has said numerous times, Parkinson's is the best thing God ever did. Brought him, him back to the Lord. Yeah, it brought him back to the Lord. Right. So um, my heart still breaks for the people and how debilitating these sicknesses can be. But I do think one of the things I always do pray, now if I remember correctly, is, yeah, it's... God do something with this, the faith of the saint, strengthen the faith of the saint, and may it be a witness and a um, light to others that would encourage them in faith and maybe for people to come to faith right. over this person. And that's suffering. certainly been the case in Randy's instance. Uh, uh, yeah, people have absolutely. come to faith through it. And so, and he just wrote a book on this topic too. Uh, but Luke twenty two thirty two, this is where Jesus says to Peter, but I prayed for you that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So I think that there's a number of people who, in the midst of trial, God strengthens their faith, and they are a strength and an encouragement to other people. And then I also think of the man who was born blind in John 9. Right. And Jesus, when his disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man or his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So God, even in the midst of things that we look at as disabilities or trials or difficulties or right. illnesses— the works of God can be revealed in that person, whether or not they're healed in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we will be whole in the next life. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so next part, how do you pray for people who are having surgery? Gosh, we pray that God would bring them through the surgery and they'd be yeah. recover quickly and there'd be no problems. And Yeah, I pray for the people that are going to be taking care of them. So yeah. the doctors, the nurses, mm-hmm. surgeons. Um, I also pray a prayer of thankfulness to tell the Lord how thankful we are for the people and the techniques 
and the drugs and the machines and all the things I believe are God-given things that came from the genius that God gave these people to inspire them to make these devices that heal people. Right. And so I'm always thankful. We pray a prayer of thankfulness over them. And uh, then I always pray, kind of like I pray for my pilot, um, mm. I pray that the surgeon, if it's a surgeon, that he has a good night's sleep. And good idea. Doing, doing well. Everybody's, and that they would be treated as though they were sons and daughters of a king as far as their healthcare professionals that took care of them. Mm-hmm. So from the, from the lime jello all the way up to the anesthesiologist. That's a good idea. There you go. So Pray for your doctors and nurses. There you go. And okay, and then how do you pray for those who are terminally ill? That's same, different. Same thing I yeah, just, yeah. But, yeah. I pray for, that's definitely God's will. Yeah, faith and encouragement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thankfulness. Uh, do you pray for healings for everyone? No, I mean, a few people. I'm like, no, nah, I don't like this person, God. Just <laughs> oh, smoke goodness. them. May it be painful and drawn out. That is just. Just he kidding. Not, he does not do that. Yes, no, I do not do that. Yeah, of course we want him to heal everyone. And do uh, you pray God's will in all situations? Yes, we do. Yeah, you your know? will be done. It's very important to realize that not everything that seems bad to us is bad in God's economy. You know, and God's, we don't always have God's view on things. That's and for so sure. So sometimes something will look very cruel and horrible to us. Yeah. And in God's economy, it was actually something that would glorify him or the kingdom and build the kingdom. It's just we do not always get to see that. And I do pray in situations like that that, I'm like not excited about that God would send me some encouragement or that mm. person some encouragement and show us where this is all going. So I still want to know why that last tooth extraction of mine had to be so painful. I think it was judgment. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. You're going around the judgment line. Yeah. I think there was some hidden sin. Thank you. Well, I didn't cuss. Well, I bless good. and curse not. There you go. You know, anyway. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah, those are some classy questions. There you go. Classy questions. Classy questions. <laughs> Stay classy, Cross Connection. What are you having for dinner tonight? I have no idea. Hadn't thought that far along. No? No. I got this nice apple fritter here that somebody left on my desk. Somebody? Mark. Somebody. I thought it was kind of cool. We had a a mini connect group show up here. Yeah. Yeah. They were six feet apart. That's good. Yeah. And there were donuts. And there were donuts and coffee. Mmm. You know, they were out there. And, Cafe. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I think that was the missing component when I started eating part of my apple fritter. No coffee? Well, you need you either need coffee or really cold milk. I'm one of those people that likes Ooh. really cold milk. See, I like milk right at the point it's getting to freeze. It has to be really cold. That's the best. I mean, when it's if so it's cold, lightly it's warm, it's like, ugh. No, <laughs> horrible. Yeah, I need like one of those big silver cow things. You know, the big... You build big dispenser of milk. Have oh, you seen those? Oh yeah, like when you're at a camp or something. And it keeps the milk right at the cold. point where it's frosty. Oh, so good, so glorious. Good. My so wife hates milk. Really? Yeah, she thinks it's just totally disgusting. Well, that's because you think about where it comes from. No, she just doesn't like the taste of it. Really? I like it when it's really cold with the donut. I like it in my coffee, and I like it in my cereal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. and with an Oreo cookie. Man, I haven't had an Oreo cookie in a long time. It's been a time. while. It's been a while. You know, it's kind of crazy. Huh. Like, they were out of 
you know, thinking back a ways, not anymore. They were out of flour. I haven't been in the store. Is it getting better? They were, Oh, yeah, way better. Okay. They were out of eggs. They're out of toilet paper. Yet they had 12 different flavors of Oreo cookies. Well, Nabisco the knows what's up. I guess so. I mean, they know supply. They should have had Nabisco making the toilet paper. There you go. It would have been like mint and peanut butter flavor, but hey, they would have had plenty of it. We are in the, the long drought season mm. where there aren't any special Reese's peanut butter cups. You know, we've got, we've got the Christmas trees at Christmas, and then we've got the, the hearts at Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day, and then we've got the eggs for Easter. Mm-hmm. But pretty much between now and Christmas candy, Ooh. we're in the long drought season of no extra special. What about that October holiday? Oh, yeah, we will get some then. Yeah, That's true. I didn't think about Halloween. But even still, I mean, between Easter... And Halloween, there's no good Reese's peanut butter cup. I'm not like big on, I love chocolate and I love peanut butter together. They're great. Okay. I love chocolate. But for some reason, when it's like 105 degrees out, I'm not really a chocolate guy at 105 degrees. You know, I was reading somewhere that during the summertime, Skittles, vanilla ice cream becomes the, the standard ice cream flavor that people like. Really? Yeah. So... So maybe maybe even right there the chocolate thing goes out of hmm. goes out of sync with the holiday the summer the summer season I mean the season not the holiday now I'll tell you what is going on that's kind of special if you're an Escondido resident uh-huh. uh huh Esco Gelato yeah little nice little place there so you can call ahead and have pints ready for Ooh, you wow and they've got I have like a gift card blueberry for Esco fig and all kinds of these crazy gelato so my wife went and bought three quarts of that the other day um. So normally, beginning in April, Escondido has cruising grand. Is there any? There is no grand cruising. That's going to be really hard for the businesses downtown. Yeah. That's not good. I went by Dan the Donut Man this morning, got some donuts. I, I noticed. For our group, you know, that was going to meeting here. I was surprising them. They really missed one another. Awesome. Yeah. But Dan's doing good. He says hi. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Hopefully, we can bring him some business in the not-too-distant future. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Any final words that you have, Pastor Mark? Long pause. Long pause. I don't don't think I have any final words. All right. Sounds so final. Well, everybody, make sure you send us your questions at, I forgot the phone number, 760-814-1223. Text us your questions. My mind is going. It's okay. You know, hey, I I cheated on you last week. That doesn't sound good. No, I, it, it I don't doesn't. even know no. how to respond to I, that. You know what? I, I was on another podcast. Oh, you were on another. You're two-timer. But it was a good friend of yours. All right. Who? Who? Alternatives. Oh, alternatives. So Tammy's got a podcast. Yeah. So, All right. But I want you to know I behaved myself. That's good. I was good. That's good. Because they don't edit. Well, I don't I don't really edit much either. Mostly edit. Yeah. I, I don't much edit. Yeah. So there, I think there's only been, in 65 episodes, I think there's only been one or two. And they've I, all been on me. What was the deal? No, no, no. I, I think I edited, I edited it. my own thing Persecuted. Once. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. God bless you until next week. Goodbye. Bye.